Good morning. Our first lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has been teaching the crowds about what things really matter and what to let go of. He tells us not to chase after perfect piety or earthly treasures like wealth or fate. Instead, he urges us to trust in God. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spit. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have not that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Before I read our second lesson, just a word of introduction. Uh, this week, my computer was hacked. For a while, I had no email. I was able to retrieve it on my iPad. I still do not have the sermon draft I wrote. <laughs> So much was lost, and if that has ever happened to you, I know you have sympathy for me. <laughs> and I'm deeply aware that this pales in comparison to many other losses others have endured. Ironically, or maybe providentially, I chose these scripture lessons before the computer hack Maybe it was a wake-up call from God about what really matters. At very least, do I absolutely need Microsoft Word, or can this work instead? <laughs> and, and what should I depend on more? 
my computer files, or maybe, this is so, so absurd, but what about prayer? So here it goes, <laughs> a reading from Exodus 16. Listen again for God's word to us this day. Now the whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they follow my instructions or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as what they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. So in the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded, gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number, and all providing for those in their own tents. And they did so, gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They each had what they needed. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But of course they did not listen. And some left part of it till the morning and it uh, bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry. But morning by morning they gathered it as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted. 
And on the sixth day, they gathered as much food, twice as much, two omers apiece. And when all the leaders came and told Moses, he said, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept for mourning. So they did as he commanded and it did not become foul and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for it is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh, which is Sabbath, there will be none. <laughs> and on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather and they found none. <laughs> and the house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear God, open our hearts to the word you would have us hear this day so that in our emptiness you would fill us indeed with manna as sweet as honey, with love that conquers all. And may all God's people say, Amen. Sometimes, of course, the Old Testament and the New Testament are disconnected. And sometimes we think that the Old Testament is just filled with laws and the stories of the Israelites' failures to be faithful and the stories of God's rescuing them from their failures, and I get it. Leviticus is filled with casuistic and apodictic laws. Those of you who are lawyers know what I mean. But sometimes, sometimes the New Testament reminds us that God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And to some extent, neither have we. Our first lesson from the Sermon on the Mount, among many other priceless lessons in those words, in the first lesson, Jesus tells us this, don't worry. In nine short verses, Jesus tells us not to worry six times. <laughs> don't worry about food and clothing. God knows you need them. Don't strive for these things. Instead, Jesus tells us, strive first for God's kingdom and God's righteousness and God will provide. 
Does that mean there won't be any trouble in our lives? Of course not. Tomorrow will bring worries of its own, Christ reminds us. But God is still with us. God is still with us, knowing our needs and longing for us to trust in God's love. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus is pulling not just from his own life, but from God's whole history with the Israelites. God has always been with them, providing for them. As the Exodus story reminds us, it is soon after the Israelites have escaped from enslavement in Egypt. At first, they were ecstatic. Free at last, free at last. Praise God Almighty, free at last. But as soon as they'd crossed the Red Sea to dry ground, they had to set out for the wilderness. They were refugees with nowhere to go, nothing to eat, nothing to drink, nothing to clothe and protect them. And they, rightly, were terrified, so terrified that their lament grew to this cry, wishing that they had died in Egypt at the Lord's hand, where at least they had had bread to eat. But of course, the story doesn't end there. God provides again for them quails in the evening and manna in the morning and on the sixth day enough to carry them through the Sabbath that they might be for even one day free from worry and work and instead trust in the Lord their God, trust God fully, God who rescued them from Egypt. Isn't this exactly what Jesus urges us to do? Do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is unbelievers who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father already knows that you need all of these things. Instead, Christ says, Strive first for God's reign. Strive first for God's righteousness. And you will have enough for all your needs. So if that is true, what does it look like for us right here and now? I can't know what it means for you, but I can share this much. I'm not proud to say it, but on Friday, 
I took my first day off in two months. <laughs> I did a little work, some calls and texts and reading, but with my computer down, <laughs> I was less tempted to work than I usually am. There are hidden blessings. <laughs> what I'm even less proud of is realizing in retrospect how much I needed it. My Sabbath wasn't all sweetness and light, all happiness and pleasure. I did some chores, which actually felt good. I unpacked Halloween decorations and put some up, and then I wept. Memories flooding back about our old houses and where things went about Annie's childhood, of course, and friends and family left behind and traditions we had shared. But even those tears were blessings, if only blessings in disguise. For in them, I found my numbness going away. I found my heart softened, my senses heightened, more than they have been in months, and I hadn't even known that I'd been numb. Now I can consider the lilies of the field and notice the butterfly flitting in front of me in the backyard and smell the strong scent of our basil plant that is not very healthy, but it smells really good. And I can prompt myself to get together with friends again. Who knew? We don't know how much we need God until we set down our presumption that we can do it all ourselves until we let go of the worries and the pride, until we recognize how hungry we really are for bread or security or belonging or rest or love until we humble ourselves to look for the manna that is right in front of our eyes. I love this short poem by David White that says it so well. Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here. This opening to life we have refused again and again until now. Until now.
My friends, what is enough for you? It might be time off from your relentless pace, or it might be reaching out for company along the way, for coffee or a laugh, or simply knowing that you're not alone. Or it may be Bible study, or faith search and support, or women's meditation, or somewhere that you dive a little deeper with others on the way. For that matter, it might be a knitting group or 12-step program. I don't know. Whatever nourishes you, refreshes you. With God's spirit that has been here all along. Why does it matter? In part for our own well-being. Because God loves us so. And it breaks God's heart when we deplete ourselves, when we perseverate in not being enough when we forget that God is with us all along, especially in the wilderness of our lives. And it matters just as much to God for this reason as well. Because when we are refreshed, when we are refreshed by God's food, filled with God's breath, rested in God's shelter, then we have enough to give again. We have enough to share with others. We have enough to offer portions of God's grace to those who are still worrying, still wandering, alone in their wilderness of hunger or bread or hope. In just a few minutes, our, our worship service will end. We'll sing our closing hymn, receive a blessing, savor the response and postlude, and then and then our service shall begin. Reaching out in fellowship on the side porch, sharing in discernment in Bible study or faith search and support. Thank you, Jack, for bringing it back. Packing welcome home kits for the unhoused who are moving into PATH residences. And in the weeks ahead, 
We'll be dedicating nails and hammers for Habitat for Humanity, and we'll give our food drop-off again for the Wilshire Presbyterian Church Food Pantry, and we'll contribute to Presbyterian disaster assistance and much more in our church and in our own lives. And, and none of it, none of those things that we do, none of our outreach is possible if we don't start by taking in these gifts of God, God's voice speaking to us in love, God's hand leading us into a place of hope, God's wisdom feeding us with strength. Because God loves us so, and so that we may be useful, which we can't do on our own, but precisely because we depend on God give us what we need in the wilderness and in every day, wherever we are. Amen.